Lord's help, I want to preach to you this morning from the book of Joshua chapter 9. Joshua chapter 9, if you want to be turning there this morning, and as you do, I want to, I want to ask you a question this morning. <clears throat> Have you ever been duped? Yeah? I mean, I'm talking about being conned. You ever been conned? You ever, you ever been fooled? You ever been taken advantage of? This morning, I'm going <laughs> to share a personal story with you that's going to be rather embarrassing to me, um, but it will serve as a, a good illustration um, to kind of get us headed in the right direction with respect to our, our message today. Years ago, uh, myself and a man by the name of Coleman Gabbard, he was a part of the ministry staff here, and him and his wife have been missionaries out of this church in New Zealand now for over 30 years. Brother Gabbard and I were working in the basement of our former pastor's home, remodeling it. And one day, he asked me to go to the lumber yard and get a sky hook. How many of you know what a sky hook is? All right, you're going to love this story. I didn't know what a sky hook was. Didn't have a clue. So I get in my car. I figure as I'm driving there, surely somebody that works at a lumber yard knows what a sky hook is. And so I walk in, and I just tell the first guy I see, hey, I need a sky hook. He kind of chuckles like some of you did. And he said, great, come with me. <laughs> so I followed him to the back of the store, and we met another guy. He called me by name, and he said, this gentleman needs a sky hook. <laughs> he chuckled too. And for the next five minutes... They strung me along until they finally said, I don't know who sent you here, but they're messing with you. Because there is no such thing as a sky hook. I had been duped. I had been taken advantage of. My gullibility had been preyed upon by a supposed man of God. I'd been pranked. It was embarrassing. Now, I wish that was the end of the story. But it's not. The next week, he said, hey, I need you to go get a stud finder. And I thought to myself, uh-uh. I was born at night. I wasn't born last night. I'm not falling for that again. Ain't no way. Now, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You just think I'm stupid. I'm not, I may look stupid, but I'm not stupid. I'm not going there. You know, there ain't no way that's going to happen. And he tried and tried to convince me. Hey, listen, dude, I'm not messing with you this time. Go get a stud. I said, no, I'm not falling for that. 
It's not going to happen. I'm going to get embarrassed again. And, man, he tried and tried and tried to convince me to go get a stud finder, and I wouldn't do it. So I said, fine, I'll go get one. And he came back. Can't hold us too close. It'll go off. <laughs> he comes back with a stud finder. Again, he preyed upon my gullibility. By the way, I, I read this week that they took gullible out of the dictionary. <laughs> It'll dawn on you here in a minute. <laughs> Needless to say, Brother Gabbard, he enjoyed a few laughs at my expense. And... While all of that was really just, it was all fun, you know, there are some people out there, I mean, they're, they're professional con artists, professional scammers who love to prey on gullible people. And they do it for profit. And in many cases, these shysters hurt people, and they hurt them badly. Now, I say all of that this morning to say this. In our text, we're going to read about a very artful con job that was perpetrated on Joshua and the men of Israel by a group of men known as Gibeonites. So if you have your Bibles open, look with me in verse 1. If you don't, the verses will be on the screen this morning. And it came to pass, <clears throat> when all the kings which were on this side, Jordan, in the hills and in the valleys and in all the coast of the great sea over against Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, Heard thereof. And what, it, what was it they had heard of? They had heard how God had went to battle on behalf of the Israelites and defeated Jericho. And they heard how Joshua and the men of Israel had recently defeated Ai. And when they heard that, verse 2, they gathered themselves together to fight with Joshua and with Israel with one accord. And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done unto Jericho and unto Ai, they did work wilily and went. Now follow, follow this. And they went and they made as if they had been ambassadors. And took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up, and old shoes and clouded upon their feet, and old garments upon them, and all the bread. Look, look how far they went with this. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua. Under the camp at Gilgal, 
and said unto him and to the men of Israel, We become from a far country. Let me stop right there and just tell you this. They had traveled about 30 miles at the most. About 30 miles is all they would have gone from Gibeon to Gilgal. But yet they, they say to Joshua, we've traveled from a far country. Now therefore, make ye a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure ye dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are ye? And from whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come, because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him, and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, the, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and to Og, king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, and saying, Take victuals with you for the journey, and go to meet them, and say unto them, We are thy servants. Therefore now make ye a league with us. This our bread we took from our provision out of our houses on the day we came forth to go unto you. But now, behold, it is dry and it is moldy. And these bottles of wine which, which we filled were new. You see what they're doing? These, these wine bottles, they, this bread, our, our food, it was hot, it was warm, it was fresh. These wine bottles were, were new, and behold, they be rent. And these, our garments and our shoes are become old by reason of the very long journey. And the men took of their victuals, verse 14, and ask not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them. And made a league with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation swear unto them. So here we have six groups of people who are inhabiting the land of Canaan, the promised land, the land that God said he was going to give to his people. And when news began to spread about the destruction of Jericho and the conquest at Ai, these groups of people knew full well that they would soon be slated for destruction themselves. And five of those groups built a little confederation together. They, they combined their armies together and they said, we will, we will go and we will fight against Israel. The other group, the Gibeonites, also known in our, as, in our text as the Hivites, they took a less, a less obvious approach. 
to the situation. They decided to work subtly or wily is the word that is used uh, in verse 4. And here's what they did. They, they disguised themselves to make it appear as, as though they had been traveling for weeks on end, maybe months on end, to reach Gilgal. I mean, they, they put on old shoes that were, were tattered. The word clouded means that they were wrapped about. They were, today we'd say they, they duct taped them. And they were worn out. And they put on these old clothes that were dirty. And they, they, they took their old worn out uh, uh, wine bottles and, and food sacks. And they were ripped and, and they were torn and, and they were patched up. And they came to Joshua. And they told him the story that we just read about. And they convinced him to make a league with them. If I were to title the message this morning, it would, it would be this, Major League Deception. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the biggest, listen, the biggest deceiver of them all is none other than the devil himself. Are you listening? Satan is the ultimate con artist. And he is forever coming against us as God's people, trying to convince us to do things that are contrary to the will and the word of God. And sadly, there are times when it works. Just like the ploy of the Gibeonites worked against Joshua and the men of Israel. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he said this to his friends there, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Listen, church, listen. We cannot afford to be duped by the devil. We must, be, must not be ignorant of his schemes. We must not be ignorant of his strategies. And it's for that reason that I want to use our time together to be reminded how the devil works. And I want to use this story of the Gibeonites' deception. And so if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Here's the first thought today. Progress always encounters resistance. Progress always encounters resistance. I mean, think about it. Joshua and, and, and the people of Israel, they had, they had conquered Jericho with God's help. They had just wiped out uh, the, 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 the city of, of Ai. And listen, they were gaining ground. They were building momentum. They were moving forward. There's a reason we're preaching through the book of Joshua on Sunday mornings as we introduce the new theme for our church in January, forward. We want to be going forward. We want to always be gaining momentum. We want to always be gaining ground and, and doing more things for the Lord than we did last year. 
And the children of Israel were in that position where they were were moving forward and, and gaining ground. And then all of a sudden, they encounter the Gibeonites. You can rest assured that anytime you as a believer or us as a church begin moving forward and gaining ground for the Lord, we will meet with the resistance of the evil one. On the Monday, following what was an unprecedented missions conference a couple of weeks ago here at Fellowship Baptist Church, Pastor Tyler sent a text to all of the ministry staff as a way of cautioning us. And here's what he sent us. I woke up so excited about what God's done in our church this past week. Don't forget that the devil often attacks just following a major victory. He said, stay humble and watchful. Now, why did he do that? And why did he send that to guys like me who are in full-time ministry. He sent it because he understands the fact that progress always encounters resistance. And he sent it to those of us who were on the staff because he understands that no one, no one is beyond being fooled by the devil and falling. So here's the deal. While Israel was in the valley of Shechem with Mount Ebal on one side and Mount Gerizim on the other side, read about this at the close of Joshua chapter 8, and while they they were there meeting uh, in the, the valley of Shechem, and while they were there renewing, listen, they were renewing their commitment to the Lord Their enemies, their enemies were already beginning to move against them. They were already plotting their strategy against them. We all need to be aware that while we're making plans to move forward in our Christian life, Satan is making plans and developing strategies to disrupt our progress. I I don't care if it's here in liberal Kansas or Brother Tolton, if it's in China. Every time you make a plan to move forward, the devil's got a plan to stop you. And I'm sure he could tell us stories and may share some with us tonight when they have been going forward and they've been uh, gaining momentum and they've been gaining ground for Christ. When all of a sudden... Boom, here they come. They're meet with incredible opposition. Why? Because progress always encounters resistance. When you were making plans back in January to move forward in your life for the Lord, and you were renewing your commitment to a personal devotional life, and you were making a commitment to do your best to try and reach at least one person for the Lord in 2019, while you were doing that, listen to me, Satan was devising a plan to thwart your efforts. And I'm guessing he's been successful to some degree in the life of some Christians. 
While some of you made your way to an altar a couple of weeks ago as we preached on, on getting the courage and God giving us the courage to begin again and you were on your face before God and you were asking God to forgive you for whatever it was that caused you to stumble and fall and you were finding the courage to begin again even while you were praying. The devil was plotting and scheming about how he could defeat you again. While some of you were hearing from the Lord as, as Brother Hetcher was preaching in our missions conference and God was moving in our hearts and, and you were hearing from the Lord about how you need to take another step of faith and how you need to increase your giving to missions around the world. Satan was busy developing his own script to start whispering in your ear about how there's no way you can give that amount for a whole year, every week, every month. There's no way you can do that. Young people, listen to me. We're about to leave for camp in a couple of weeks. And no doubt, no doubt God's going to do some things in your hearts. And you're going to make some commitments to God. And you're going to make some some vows to the Lord to, to change some things in your life so you can be better prepared and a better servant from the Lord. Listen to me, the devil's going to be at work all week devising a plan and scheming against you. Even as we sit here this morning and you're taking in the Word of God, the devil's at work. There's spiritual warfare, it's real. And he's doing everything he can to distract you and to take your mind over here, to take your mind over there. Say, man, I just can't focus. You know why? That's the devil. Because God's got a word for you today. God's got some help for you today. And the devil knows it, and he doesn't want you to have it. A time of spiritual victory is always followed by spiritual attack. For every good spiritual action there is an opposite and equal diabolical reaction from the enemy. So be prepared. Preacher, I just don't get it, man. I, 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 I was on my knees before the Lord. I was praying. I was committing myself to the Lord. And I no sooner got up and boom, I was smacked. Welcome to the real life. Welcome to spiritual warfare. It happens because progress always encounters resistance. And here's the second thought. The devil works subtly. The devil works subtly. Those of you who know your Bible, you know that the devil is represented in the Scriptures by a lion and by a serpent. And as Warren Wiersbe so correctly points out, it's much easier for us to identify the lion when he's roaring than to detect the serpent when he's slithering into our lives. <laughs> While these other groups were, 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 planting, were planning a, a roaring, all-out, frontal attack of the Israelites, the Gibeonites were over here trying to figure out how they could slither their way into a peaceful compromise with their enemy. 
there's so much that could be said uh, at this point about Satan and how he works and all about his subtlety. But for time's sake, I just want to point, I want to point this out. Like the Gibeonites, listen church, it's so important. Like the Gibeonites, Satan never reveals everything he knows to be true. Stay with me. He never reveals everything that he knows to be true. Let me show you. Look in verses 9 and 10 again. And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come. When in reality, as I said, it was 25, 30 miles is all. But we've come from a far country because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him. And watch this. All that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, the Uh, To Sihon, king of Heshbon, and to Og, king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Now listen, follow with me. While the Gibeonites mentioned things that happened on the other side of Jordan, not the Canaan side, but the other side of Jordan... They said, we know about Egypt, and we know about Heshbon, and we know about Ashtaroth, and we know about all of the things that your mighty God did. Did you notice they didn't say anything about what had happened on the Canaan side of the river? Did you notice they didn't say anything about Jericho? They didn't say anything about Ai and they would have known what happened there they were in the neighborhood they would have known exactly what went on but the reason that they didn't divulge that information was because it would have blown their cover remember they had been traveling for a long time I mean, so long their shoes had worn out and their food had gotten moldy and and they were coming from a very far country. So that being the case and seeing how there was no internet access and how they had their iPhone, had notifications turned off on their iPhones, they wouldn't have gotten the news. They wouldn't have heard about what had gone on. They would have been traveling. You, You tracking with me? They would have been traveling all of these long, hard, torturous miles. So they couldn't say anything about Jericho. They couldn't say anything about Ai, even though they knew. Because the first question would have been this. Well, how did you hear about that? You're from so far away. So again, the devil never, never discloses everything he knows to be true. The devil, listen church, the devil never shares all of the details because he knows if if he were to do that, then the ruse would have fallen apart. Say, preacher, where are you going? Here's where I'm going. For example... 
The devil will never tell you everything he knows about the dreadful end that the use of alcohol can lead to. No, no, listen. He's not going to show you the battered wives. I'm going to show you the crying children or the car crashes or the body bags. He's not going to pull back the curtain on the devastated families or the ruined careers or the divorces or the arrest records or the liver damage. Listen to me. He's not going to tell you everything because he knows if he shows you all of that, you'll never take a drink. So what does he show you? Oh, backyard barbecues and, and times at the beach and family fun and mom and dad laughing and they're with their friends. Come on. The devil will never tell you everything he knows to be true. He'll never show you the trouble that a life of drug use will cause. <laughs> He's not going to show you the before and after pictures of meth users. He's not going to show you the extremes that people will go to to get their next fix. The, the, the sexual acts they will perform, the crimes they will commit, the lies they will tell, the people they will hurt, the promising futures that people are going to forfeit. Listen, the devil is smart enough not to tell you those things. And if he revealed that to us, if he showed you a before and after picture of yourself after months and years of meth use, who's going to say, oh yeah, I want that? Absolutely, I, I'm... Yeah, well, he's not going to show us that stuff. He's not going to show us the, the unmentionable acts that people will perform just to get enough for their next pill or their next bag. He's not going to show that stuff. You listen to me, young people? I'm going to show you that stuff. He's smarter than that. Just like the Gibeonites, they didn't say that Jericho or AI because they didn't, want to, they didn't want to blow their cover. And so all the devil's going to do is show you the fun part of things. There's no way he's going to tell you the whole truth about the damaging effects of pornography. There's no way he's going to let you know how incredibly addictive that is. He doesn't want you to ever find out that pornography is the crack cocaine of the internet. He's not going to tell you that divorce rates double when pornography is introduced into a marriage. If he can help it, no one will ever know that users tend to become desensitized to the type of pornography they use, become bored with it, and then seek more perverse forms of it. He's, he's going to hide the fact that men who view pornography regularly have higher tolerance for abnormal sexuality, including rape, sexual aggression, and sexual promiscuity, and that prolonged consumption produces stronger notions of women as commodities or as sex objects. Are you listening this morning? Am I making sense today? 
Do I need to go any further? The devil is a liar. And whatever he's telling you right now, and whatever he's convinced you of right now, you listen to your preacher this morning, he's not telling you everything. And he never will. Never will. He's not going to tell you the pain that indulging your lust will cause. He's not going to show you the path that bitterness and resentment and an unforgiving spirit will lead you down. Listen to me. The devil can be so incredibly convincing. And if we're not careful, we're going to make the same mistake that the Gibeonites made. That, or excuse me, that Joshua and his men made. Are you listening? And we're going to take the bait simply because of how inviting it looks. We're not going to like the end result at all. At all. Then here's the last thought today. When making any decision, it's always, always right to seek the Lord. Perhaps the most epic fail in this entire story is recorded in verse 14. Would you look at it again? And the men took of their victuals. We're led to believe there that they took their, the, the bread or whatever it is that they had and they held it and they touched it and they felt it and they examined it. They may even have smelt it. They may even have taken a bite of it and then spit it out. And asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Can you believe that? How is it that no one in this group of leaders thought to pray and ask God before making a league with these supposed travelers from a far country. Who in the world does that? I'll tell you who does that. We, we do that. So often, far too often, Brother Tyler, we make decisions. And some of those decisions are monumental decisions that could affect us and our families for years. And we make those decisions based simply on our senses, based solely on the, the way things appear to be, the, the way they have been presented to be. 
And we, listen, we never one time stop to pray and ask God, Lord, could you help me here? Could you give me some direction here? Lord, what is your will here for me and for my family? Been at this 40 years. I've seen my share of decisions made just like that. And the consequences of making decisions based simply on our own senses and what looks right and what looks good and what sounds good. Can I share these words of advice with you from Dale Ralph Davis in his commentary on the book of Joshua? He wrote this, no proposed course of conduct, no proposed course of conduct can be so clear to a Christian as to excuse him or her from the duty of seeking direction from above. In other words, what appears to be a no-brainer still needs to be prayed over. Oh, well, preacher, that's easy. Pray about it, bucko. Well, preacher, that's simple. I know what I need to do. Pray about it. No proposed course of conduct can be so clear to a Christian as to excuse him from the duty of seeking direction from above. As we look here, the Lord's direction was available to Joshua, but it was ignored. And it's not that, that he and his men were sloppy in their investigation. If anything, they just stopped short. I mean, they were asking some questions. Who are you and where did you come from? And, and, and okay, so we let you hang out here with us. What are you talking about making a league with you? And, 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 and they were asking the right questions. It, it, it's not that they were sloppy in their investigation. It's that they were alone in their decision. It wasn't that they didn't think. Well, preacher, you don't understand. Preacher, I have thought this thing through frontwards and backwards. <laughs> it's not that they didn't think. They didn't pray. Can I get a witness right there? They didn't pray. The Israelites were deceived when, when they relied on their own perceptions rather than on divine direction. I love what F.B. Meyer said. He said, before entering into any alliance, taking a partner in life, going into business with another, yielding assent to any proposition which involves confederation with others? Look what he said. Be sure to ask counsel at the mouth of the Lord. He will assuredly answer 
by irresistible impulse, by the voice of a friend, by a circumstance strange and unexpected, by a passage of Scripture, he will choose his own messenger, but he will send a message. Are you facing some decisions in your life this morning? Are you going to go with what your own perceptions are? Are you going to stop for a minute and ask, seek God's direction? If you think you know what to do without seeking the Lord's direction, you're just fooling yourself. Listen, we cannot afford to let our guard down, not even for a second in our fight against the devil. Because the moment we do, we're done. So let me ask you today, how's the devil trying to slither his way into your life right now? How's he he trying to slither his way into your home or into your marriage or into your private life or into your relationships? How's he trying to get you to compromise, for example, the way you handle your finances? Or trying to get you to make compromises on how you parent your children or your church attendance or how you interact with members of the opposite sex. How's he trying to get you to drop your guard? Here's how I would encourage you to respond today as we prepare for our time of invitation. Number one, If you have fallen prey to the devil's subtlety and you've made some wrong decisions, then I'm going to encourage you to come today, ask the Lord's forgiveness, and get up and go at it again more cautiously. If you're, listen, if you're really feeling the pressure right now to make some spiritual compromises, I'm going to encourage you to come. And ask God for strength to hold the course. To stay the course. To hold the line. To not give in. If you've been entertaining decisions based solely on your own senses. And how attractive things look. And how promising they've been presented to you. But you've not taken time to seek the Lord. And the counsel of the spiritual leaders in your life. Stop. Are you listening? Stop right now where you're at. And do not give another thought to anything. Until you've taken the time to ask counsel of the Lord. Would you stand with me this morning with our heads bowed?